1: Hello, welcome to the New Books in Jewish Studies podcast. I'm your host, Ari Barbalat, and I'm honoured to be in dialogue today with Dr. Arianna Huberman. She is the author of Keeping the Mystery Alive, Jewish Mysticism in Latin American Cultural Production, published in Boston by Academic Studies Press 2022. She is Associate Professor of Spanish at Haverford College, And she also coordinates the Latin American Studies concentration and program at Haverford College. Ariana, I am absolutely humbled to be in dialogue with you today.
2: Thank you so much, Ari. This is a real pleasure for me to be able to talk about this book.
1: Thank you. To begin, please tell us about yourself. Where did you grow up? What formative events in your life inspired the scholar you would become as an adult?
2: Um, I grew up in Buenos Aires, Argentina. I have been uh, in the US for most of my life now. I came to study English for a few months and I kept renewing my stay. I chose to study to do my undergrad uh, in Boston. I graduated from Tufts University a long time ago. Then I went home for a year and uh, decided to come back to do graduate school um, at um, NYU. Um, I think the formative uh, events, um, I can tell you one thing, Um, I have only uh, ever um, been in love with one discipline and that's literature uh, from a very young age I always wanted to study literature teach literature um, be live <laughs> live among books and um, I also was very much inspired by professors I had um, you know in, in college mostly um, but also well definitely in graduate school we just We just uh, said goodbye to uh, my mentor and uh, most beloved professor at NYU, uh, Sylvia Molloy, uh, who was uh, the head of the MLA um, when I went out uh, on the market in 2002. 2002, yes. Um, So, yes, I have had amazing professors that have shown me uh, the value of being in the classroom and the value of doing. Methodical, careful uh, research. And I think of them every day when I'm in the classroom, when I'm studying, when I'm reading, when I'm doing the kind of work uh, that shows in this book.
1: Amazing. What inspired you to write this book? What message do you hope to convey to readers?
2: Yeah, I don't, I never. I don't have a message, that's for sure, <laughs> but what did get me to write this book, um, it's actually my desire to learn about Kabbalah and Jewish mysticism, but what's interesting um, that I, I say that the, on the preface of the book is that the book started with Alejandro Khodorovsky, with writing about Alejandro um pseudo autobiographical uh writing also about some of his movies um but i don't remember how i got to khodorovsky i don't remember how the whole thing started that which is really fascinating to me i just remember being you know working on khodorovsky and khodorovsky being the beginning of this journey um but i had uh, somebody asked me um uh, a, a student asked me um why i you know the the last time somebody asked me this question i I did make a connection with magical realism which i hadn't made before which is interesting you know i've been working on this book for 16 years it never occurred to me that the fact that magical realism was how i started falling in love with literature may have something to do with this um and and now I'm actually starting to explore that. And even though this is the beginning of the interview, I can tell you this is where I'm going next. <laughs> in, uh, in, in trying to find uh, connections, obvious connections in some ways and not so obvious connections in others. In the literature that I study, the Latin American literature and art that I study and the influence that magical realism has had um, in, you know, in the way culture is produced uh, in my continent.
1: What are the primary themes in your book? What quote-unquote story does your book tell?
2: Um, The book follows uh, the presence of Jewish mysticism and Kabbalistic themes in the literature and art of four authors and two artists one is latin american uh well two two latin american artists and paul Claire as well um th- but everything comes out everything that i study comes out of what these artists and authors uh wrote and produced so um i would read uh autobiographical writings and find this character of the Rebbe, and uh, these uh, representations of transmigration of souls. So then I would go and study about uh, these themes in and Jewish mysticism. And um, that has been uh, the, the way the book got written as a basically a product of my learning process, um, uh, trying to understand what these themes meant uh, in these Latin American authors. I read uh, books by Jewish studies scholars and also by uh, Hasidic um, scholars and rabbis uh, that helped me understand and sometimes to even identify uh whether what i was reading was christian mysticism jewish mysticism was it you know these authors uh have either uh were they were all well they were mostly all of them born in latin america but live abroad uh with the exception of angelina Muniz soberman who was actually born in france and lives in mexico lived in mexico her whole life so these uh Transnational authors have a lot of influence from, in in many ways, uh, not only from the having grown up in 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 a Catholic country or lived in a Catholic country, but also by all the readings they have done. Um, and I can keep going, but I, I think you may want to uh, tie me back down to another question.
1: Sure. <laughs> What would you like listeners to get out of our interview today?
2: I would love for them to pick up the book and read it, honestly. And to maybe something even if they don't read it, because, you know, that may be too much to ask. But I would love uh, for uh, uh, your listeners uh, to see the connections that exist in cultures that are not obviously connected, right? Um, Latin America is mostly. The majority of Latin America is Christian, mostly Catholic. Um, There's a large portion of um, evangelical Christians as well as Muslims, uh, Hindus and and Jews and other religions of immigrants. Um, But Jewish mysticism is not something that necessarily is part of Latin American culture and yet it is right that's what I discovered that's what my book discovers is that there is all these uh cultural production all these cultural uh texts that um bring Jewish mysticism to life um within Latin America and I and I think that uh could be a good way of thinking what else happens in other cultures that will surprise you you know that uh you don't expect, and that uh, are also there.
1: You alluded to this earlier, but I was wondering if I could ask you in more in more detail. What is the relationship between Kabbalah and Latin American magical realism?
2: Yes, um, I can only give you a very brief answer now sure. because this is just the beginning of my of, of this is what I'm starting to think about, but. What I can tell you is, uh, you know, the difference is very, very clear. Um, Magical realism is an aesthetic, um, stylistic um, way of writing literature, Um, whereas, you know, Kabbalah is a hermeneutic and interpretative um, approach to studying biblical texts. But what they do have in common, um, and this is something that, uh, Eitan Fishbane has studied in the art of the mystical Na- narrative. He has a chapter on um, the fantastic and magical realism, and he relates it to the Sohar. So, the the first step for me is going to go from what Fishbane has is uh, you know shown is showing in the Sohar, oh, sure. which is um, understanding that in the Sohar the um, especially in in the moments of the sohar that r- relate to the earthly realm and to the uh, the followers who are studying uh, from Kabbalistic um, masters um the way when when they when reality becomes uh I would not say shattered but altered if you want uh in a way that it's matter of fact it's not a radical enormous you know you're not in science fiction suddenly you're not no, there's nothing in, in radical that happens that would put it in the realm of the fantastic but that it stays within reality that's where uh we can find common ground between uh kabbalah and magical realism in that uh the presence of the magical within reality, and in the case of the Zohar, would be within um, the parts of the narrative that are, you know, here <laughs> in our uh, world and not uh, uh, the, you know, the godly uh, realm now when what? it comes to my project then what i'm going to do is just like uh fishbane studies this in Sohar, uh, i will be studying these uh, uh i'll be doing the opposite in some ways i'll be looking into how we find similarities uh when latin american authors um talk about Kabbalistic themes or use Kabbalistic themes I'm going to be dissecting and looking how much of these that I've been looking at from the lens of Kabbalah and Jewish mysticism doesn't also have a layer of magical realism that's a part where that I haven't done and I haven't even thought about which is to me pretty impressive that I haven't thought about until this moment
1: what is your book's contribution to Latin American studies
2: yeah that's a bit of an easier answer (laughs) <laughs> which is um well Latin American Studies has a whole section of it that we call Latin American Jewish Studies and I am very much involved with the Latin American Jewish Studies Association that I invite your listeners to look up uh, online we have a lovely website that features the work we do um and so uh what my book and our field contributes to Latin American studies is the Jewish experience in Latin America. So um, we trace, uh, well, my, my book, I, I, you want me to focus on my book and I keep walking to the to the other areas. So uh, my book in particular is actually groundbreaking in terms of there's nothing published up to this point uh, on Jewish mysticism in Latin America, and so whereas there's plenty of studies of the mystical experiences of San Juan Enes de la Cruz and you know and, and, and Santa Teresa de Avila, all these uh, uh, colonial, all these uh, mystical um, mystics that wrote uh, during colonial times, there's nothing necessarily written well. There's plenty written about Borges, right? I'm sorry. There's plenty written about Borges. There's many, many books about Borges and the Kabbalah, but there's nothing written about who came after him. Uh, who else besides Borges has written on uh, Kabbalah and Jewish mysticism? And so that's my contribution. It's uh, showing a light on, shining a light on, on this work.
1: What does your book teach us about intertextuality?
2: Yes, intertextuality is uh, very important in Jewish tradition. It's central to Jewish thought and and Kabbalah and Jewish mysticism. Uh, But what I discovered is that it's also, I mean, it's also extremely central to Latin American literature and culture. And... um, books talk to each other this is this is the central theme in borgesian and borges's literature um and the books that i study and the authors that i study i was actually quite surprised because i'm in touch with three of them i speak i spoke and and, and exchange emails regularly with three of my authors um not i tried but did not get a hold of him um is that they did not necessarily know each other or read each other, and yet they have so many, uh, I mean, they live in different countries. They, they 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 all read Gershom Shalom. That is the point of connection, all of them, right? Uh, but Jodorowsky, I don't think Khodorovsky read much <laughs> of Kabbalah, uh, or at least I could not find any... We, any true sources of what he read. He knows some and keep I don't think he's read enough, but I cannot prove uh that he read Gershon Shannon.
1: What does your book teach us about? love? How is love understood by the writers and artists you imagine? You, you examine?
2: Um yes. Um when I think about love, um Well, love is everywhere in Angelina Muniz-Oberman's literature. um, Love is a central uh, drive uh, in her writing. Uh, But the author that I actually study in depth, or at least that I look into the concept of love itself, uh, is Mario Satz, um, who's an Argentine author author who lives in Spain. Uh, he he um he lectures on, on Kabbalah and Jewish mysticism and he uses Gematria uh, numerology um in a playful way. I mean not in a uh necessarily uh careful you know hermeneutic way. Um but he knows enough uh to keep it uh, uh close to 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 tradition um and he uh and 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 i and i work on the concept of love um and uh, and the word the the way he uh i want to i keep i want to keep using the, the verb play but there's it's more than play he he finds connections um following the value of the letters in the word and love in hebrew um that uh become more of a, uh th- th- that allowed me to actually focus on how he uses gematria um so it's beyond just a thematic um, um approach to to his literature It's more of a technical uh, i was able to look into what he does uh with these letters um to to, to characterize his approach to numerology i guess but love uh, takes a very different um, uh, light, if you want, or it's it's expressed very differently with um, Khodorovsky. because Khodorovsky, uh in, in his his work is very much influenced by surrealism, and he uses uh, the shock effect in everything he does. Uh, he he is trying to gross us out. It's not just like he's aesthetic is gross it's it's intentional, right and so love sex uh, anything erotic in his uh, literature and there's a lot of it uh, has an a, an intentionality to it that's completely different to how love uh is treated in um in the other authors
1: what is your book's contribution to the academic study of Kabbalah and Jewish mysticism?
2: Well, that is probably the most difficult question you're going to ask me today. <laughs> I don't know, to be honest. That's that, I, I'm, uh, The fact that you're interested in the book, that hopefully your listeners are interested in the book, uh, that I had the pleasure of meeting uh, Havat tirosh Samuelson at uh, Arizona State University uh, a, few, a month ago, um, and she was interested in the book, comes to a surprise because I've always felt... Um, an outsider to uh, church studies uh, in the sense, because you know, I'm, this is not my training. Um, so I hope that um my contribution is that while the work the, the literature and the um the film um the the art the, the art that I study um, does not fit neatly into the kind of work they do um, that uh, I am hoping that my contribution is that they can see that uh, Kabbalah and Jewish mysticism is uh, uh, a very strong um, uh, source of inspiration uh, for these artistic expressions.
1: How did you conduct this research Can you tell us about the individuals or families that you personally met?
2: Yes. Um, So like most academics, you know, we teach. (laughs) We uh, tend to do our research. Um, Conferences become uh, a good way to get us to sit down and do our research. Uh, And... uh, during conferences, uh, I would present sketches of this chapter or pieces, sketches of pieces of these chapters, to help me advance in the writing of the book. And uh, I would get questions uh, or suggestions of other authors, of other scholars, of other. Um, that I was not seeing or understanding. Um, and so I would follow those leads and those leads would lead me to other leads, etc. But the main part where individuals uh had a huge impact on being able to get this work done uh, has been the three authors that I've been the most in contact with: Ankhinamri Suberman, Isaac Goldenberg, and Mario Satz, as well as um, the two Chabad families I uh, that took me under their arm and helped me make sense of some passages, uh, or say, or even took me out of some ideas and say, "Yeah, no, no, that's not, that's not." Part of Kabbalah, you know, because uh, specifically with Angelina Suberman, uh, you know, she's an early modernist, early uh, modern um, scholar. So she, she's she's a professor of uh, you know medieval and Golden Age Spanish lit, and there's a lot of Christian mysticism in her writing as well as Jewish mysticism, and so uh, being able to find what's what uh I, I needed their help. Um uh then there's also Eli Rubin that um, that uh gave me the last piece of the puzzle. Um uh I was very very glad uh, Eli Gorevich um the Chabad rabbi at Trico Haverford introduced me to Eli Rubin who um writes both for Chabad.org, but also is um Writing his dissertation in Jewish studies, um, I believe it's in Oxford or Cambridge in England. And he was able to help me uh, identify um, the differences between the sources that I was using and help me more than anything navigate through the text and be able to um, identify uh you know some authors that i cite arthur green for example you know he's also a rabbi right but he's considered an academic scholar so um uh some of these uh sources that i use uh in Jewish studies uh don't necessarily cross over but some are uh, are also uh observant, right? So um, it, 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 I think that that was by far um, the most difficult challenge of the book was trying to navigate between uh, the sources from Jewish studies and um, and Hasidic scholarship and, and and these individuals were were, were essential in uh, helping me tread those uh, pesky waters <laughs> in a careful manner.
1: Which academic study, academic studies, and scholars on Kabbalah have had the greatest impact on your thought, scholarship, and worldview? Which titles did you grow most from reading and thinking about in your research process? <laughs>
2: Yes, I, I have to say, um, when I when I think about the list of uh scholars that I cite, they do outweigh the list of Hasidic scholars that I cite, but they were all just as impactful in many ways. Um uh for Jewish studies, well obviously Gershom Shalom, the the you know. The founder of the the field, uh, but also his followers, right? His disciples and and the ones that disagreed with him, uh, which so Gershon Shalev, so Moshe Rachel Elior, Habat George Samuelson that I said that I mentioned before. Arthur Green, Matt Goldish was incredibly important because of all of his work on uh spirit possession uh, which um is something that appears in Isaac Goldenberg's writing and um and Alexander uh, and Yehuda Levi's um uh, and uh the, the, for Hasidic scholarship i mostly cite Adin Steinsaltz and Rabbi uh Jacob uh, Emanuel Shochat those are the two main sources that um i cite in my texts
1: what obstacles did you encounter while engaging in this project how did you deal with them cope with them overcome them or circumvent them
2: well at every point of the journey i found resistance <laughs> when i would present in latin american studies uh, conferences or uh, job talks for spanish department uh, positions I had to explain why the work I did uh, fit within the Latin American canon. When I presented at AJS or at uh, AMILAT, uh, the Latin American Studies uh, organization within Hebrew University of Jerusalem, I would have to explain why someone like me would be talking about these themes without the Jewish studies proper training. and I just kept going. Why? I don't know. I, I'm I'm just fascinated by these themes. I wanted to learn more. And the more they told me I didn't understand, the more I wanted to understand, the more, uh, I was, uh, you know, mislabeled, the more I wanted to shake off the labels. So, So I think, um, the book is so dense in terms of research because I had such a strong need to learn, um, deeply and carefully uh, because the theme itself uh, requires it. Um, if Kabbalah is anything, is careful, painful, <laughs> lengthy study and, and this form of interpretation of text and, uh, and I felt compelled to, to do that kind of work. Now, some of the literature I study is more careful than others uh, some of the authors I study are more versed and you know have read and study more uh on Kabbalan Jewish mysticism than others um but uh they all require the same approach I would say the other obstacle I I I the main obstacle also I I would say was what I'm alluded to before, which is how to respectfully um, rely on Hasidic scholarship and Jewish uh, studies scholarship, uh, when these are two fields that don't necessarily dialogue with each other as much.
1: How does your book reinterpret the writings of Jorge Luis Borges? How has he influenced Latin American Jews, art, literature and thought?
2: Yeah, so uh, Borges, I don't reinterpret Borges's work in this book. I do introduce the body of scholarship that deals with Borges and the Kabbalah, which is, it's extensive. And I, 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 I refer to it, uh, I, I I, I introduce it uh, in a few pages, which is very briefly, uh, given how much there's written on Jewish, uh, on Borges and, and and Jewish mysticism and Kabbalah and the, the Kabbalistic themes in his writing, which is in and of itself fascinating. But I I wanted to really uh, give a voice to everything else that's there because if anybody has ever heard of Jewish mysticism or Kabbalah in Latin America, it is through Borges. And so I felt like I I didn't want to write yet another book on Borges. There's enough of those, and there's always going to be more of those. (laughs) Uh, But I wanted to write about everybody else. However, I probably quote him. I I think I, I quote him. Over hundred and fifty times, <laughs> so obviously I do write about Borges throughout the book. I looked it up at one point: uh, how many times do I actually mention Borges in my book? And I looked it up, and it's 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 a lot. So even though I don't directly uh, discuss his literature, he had su- he has such a strong presence and influence on the other authors and the other artists that uh, he's he's definitely portrayed throughout.
1: Can you tell us about? isaac goldenberg where did he live can you tell us about his upbringing childhood adulthood what is his reputation
2: yes isaac goldenberg is a peruvian author who lives in new york city he ha- he retired from ostos community college a few years back um and he he spent time in Israel and Barcelona between Peru and New York but he has been in New York for uh you know most of his adult life um he wrote an a wonderful his first book was so uh, uh groundbreaking that I I, I think his uh, that book is now on his on its 17th Edition, and I highly recommend everybody to read. Um, uh, well, in English, I think it's Life in Installments of uh, La Vida Plaza de Jacobo Lerner, de Don Jacobo Lerner's. Um, I have to, I have to look up the 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 English title of his book. Uh, uh, Life in Installments. I think it is. anyway. Um, but um, uh, it is one of the most, uh, one of the best pieces of writing, uh, in, in literature, uh, in Latin America, you know, from the 20th century, I would say it's not considered part of the boom, but that book itself, not the rest of his literature, not the rest of the poetry that I've discussed in his chapter, but that book, uh, is definitely strongly related to magical realism.
1: The Fragmented Life of Dan Yacobo Lerner for us?
0: There
2: you go. That's the title, yes.
1: Why is it notable what themes and symbols show up? Who are the main characters? What is the plot? Can you go into more detail about this piece of literature?
2: Yes. So, uh, yes. Uh, Don Yacobo Lerner arrived in... uh, Lima Peru uh, in the 30s from Ukraine um you know escaping uh, the horrible events of Europe back then and uh, the, the the rise of Nazism this is the character right not the author <laughs> and uh, and the book uh, takes it's this is designed as a flashback of his life. So he's writing he, he's narrating his life from his deathbed. From the moment he arrives in Peru uh, until uh, he's close to death. And he had a very uncomfortable relationship with the Jewish community in Lima. And he was a a traveling salesman, you know, like many Jewish immigrants at the time, who traveled uh, up north through Peru and uh, ends up having a child with a a uh, young woman who wasn't Jewish. Um, the the story, uh, the 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 story is broken. That is interrupted. The, the narration of his personal story and, and what happens to the child and the mother of the child and and his relationship with his brother and the Jewish community is is, is fragmented <laughs> by uh, interventions in the text by writings to the. Jewish community, um, local publication, by articles from the local newspaper. Uh, there's other forms of uh, narrative that interrupt the story. Uh, it's, uh, yes, uh, it's. Uh, I remember now. It's uh, there's there's parts where are narr- mostly his his personal narration gets interrupted also by the narration of the other main characters in his life. Um, uh, this young woman, uh, that, uh, fell in love with him and he did not look back properly. was <laughs> not fair to her. That's my personal <laughs> the problem with Donka Koa that has no value whatsoever in the work I do. But I, I have beef with him <laughs> for doing that, for leaving her behind the way he did. Anyway, um... The, uh his uh sister-in-law is a main character, it's also fascinating. His brother, um, and Leon Mitrani. And that's that's p- the part that I study in the book because Leon Mitrani was a friend of his that came from Ukraine with him. Well, at, at a different time, but from the different from the same uh, Shtetl. And uh Leon Mitrani uh passes away and does not receive proper bu- burial. And his spirit possesses um, Jacobo Leonard. So I studied uh, the whole chapter on uh, on the book where um, he is being possessed by Leon Mitanni, who, who was a lot more observant than him, and the um, attempts of exorcism that the rabbi uh, asserts on uh, the main character. Can you
1: interpret the image on page 111? What is presented? Can you explain it to us? Can you comment on the symbols and colors in the piece?
2: Oh, yes. Uh, So that's a painting by Schulz Solar. Shul Solar um, is one of the best known and most wonderful Argentine uh, artists uh, of the 1940s. Um, The image I'm looking at is not as colorful as uh, the rest of his art. His art is beautiful and very colorful. This one that we're looking at um, uh, features uh, ladders and stairs. And this painting is in this section because I was writing about um, the importance of stairs and ladders. that uh, in Jewish prayer, um, some uh, interpret as the different steps uh, to try to connect with the divine. And what you see in this painting is a tiny hand. I tried to get this image featured uh, larger, but this is the best we could do. But if, if you, with glasses, look at these... Uh moon we could say with symbols there's a hand coming down from the sky from the moon uh, and there's a man at the top of the ladder trying to reach up to the hand and it's it's that effort of connection that doesn't quite happen I don't think it's not I'm putting on my glasses for you listeners who cannot see what I'm doing <laughs> I don't know how you can see this image either but I'm telling you but <laughs> Um, so there's a man reaching up and a hand coming down and the connection does not happen. And is that is why I, I find um, this image and other images are similar. The theme is repeated in the image also on page 110, the hand coming down and there's a ladder coming up without a person, but oh, oh there is a hand. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, it's a different image. Um that effort of reaching and not quite connecting is is a tension that is uh, a very essential theme in Kabbalah uh which is the the desire to be one with God the desire to be one with the divine um and as I learned from uh my Habad friends uh, we can only do that right we can only reach our hand up but we cannot connect with God, God has to come down and connect with us, right? So um, no matter how many trances or um, uh, uh, fastings or um, other forms of spiritual training, um, um, believers, Exert the, the, no matter how much effort you put in into connecting with God, it's it's up to God to connect in ultimately um, with uh, with a person reaching up.
1: Who is Alejandro Jules Solar? Can you tell us about Solar's upbringing? What are Solar's most notable works?
2: Yes, so that's the painter I was uh, just referring to. He was. The son of a Jewish Austrian uh, immigrant. I believe he was Austrian. He was definitely Jewish, um, and he changed his name. Um, he himself was not Jewish, and he uh, is an um, artist who uh, falls within, you know, within the the avant-garde um, of. Um, of uh, Latin American art there's um he was also particularly interested in uh, spiritualities from different religions which is something that all of my authors and artists share I would say maybe with the exception of Mirta Kupfermink the Argentine um contemporary artist um who is a Jewish artist, uh, but uh, also is interested in other spiritualities as well. But, but uh, himself um was uh is uh, was an artist who used symbols from um many different uh, religious uh, sources. Um he studied uh you know Eastern religions uh in addition to Jude- the Judeo uh, Christian tradition, his most famous piece of work um, I'm showing you, Ari, maybe you can tell your listeners Wow. It's Pan Arbol. And Pan Arbol uh, on page 60 um, is uh, a Sephirotic tree that uses uh, astrological symbols. Um, so there you see at least two traditions overlapped in his work, but most of his work, I mean, it would take, um, art historian <laughs> to be able to dissect, um, the different symbols, uh, uh that appear in his, uh, art, but there's, uh, he definitely plays with, um, the hybridity of, of, uh, different spiritualities.
1: How did you grow as a person during this research process?
2: Hmm. I became ex- <laughs> uh, more and more and more humble as I went. Um, it was a scary project from the beginning. I knew from the beginning that this was going to be an uphill battle. Um I ne- I actually wondered if anybody would ever want to publish such a thing, right? because uh i i don't know i just um learned that a lot of what i do as a scholar the the careful uh painstaking revision of texts of studying between lines of citing of looking at every citation i mean it, it Most people don't read footnotes unless you are (laughs) in my world. (laughs) And uh, I learned that a lot of what I do has a root in my Jewish ancestry. And I didn't think of myself as a scholar because I was Jewish. I don't necessarily think that is the only reason why I'm a scholar. But what I learned in this book is that a lot of the practices that I undertake when I do my research, do mirror or do come from a much larger tradition that I cherish, I've always cherished my Jewish identity and my Jewish ancestry, even though I am secular, I'm not an observant Jew uh, myself, um, this made me feel more connected, to be honest. That's bottom line, I felt more connected than before to my Jewishness.
1: Who is Alejandro Jodorowsky? Why is he significant? What can you tell us about his work? Can you describe his family and his upbringing for us?
2: Yes, Chodorowski is a complicated figure. Um, as I mentioned before, he was the beginning of my project. He's a Chilean author, playwright, uh, guru. <laughs> Uh, comic writer, illustrator, I mean, he is unbelievably talented in many, many different ways. Uh, but he's also extremely irreverent. I mean he's uh, his uh, beginnings uh, um, yeah, you know, when he, as a young man moved to France uh, in the just say, in the, in the 60s right now i think in 60s or 50s um where surrealist uh, playwrights you know he would do these happenings that were so popular in the 60s um and uh so he's extremely un- undisciplined i mean <laughs> and messy and uh, chaotic and and everything everything is fair game right um so even though his family is of jewish russian origin he himself does not identify as jewish and you know he lives in france so he's uh about atheist you know i'm not sure if you're familiar but atheism is a vibrant strong (laughs) uh, belief system in France that uh, has little room for other forms of uh, religious expression. So uh, I struggled with him, as you can hear. Uh, I struggled with him because I am respectful. I'm a a secular Jew who's extremely respectful of uh, religious observance, and he's not. And that's fine. Uh, uh, It's not why i chose to study him i chose to study him because of um the beautiful uh representations of the rabbit and the character of the rabbit but there are moments when he crosses the line and i had to deal with that i had to deal with the fact that s- some representations quite, can be quite anti-semitic and that was difficult for me to um deal with um but i dealt with it i can look in the book. Um, the just as I said, he crosses the line and and, and he has his personal feelings towards uh, his ancestry. That, but also, actually, um, what's really important about the stridency in which he reacts against his ancestry also has to do with this psychomagic uh, healing process that he believes, which is basically cutting down the branches of the genealogical tree. He believes that um, our ancestry is a burden that we need to free ourselves from. And so in many ways, the way he talks about uh, his Jewish uh, ancestry has to do with that. But at the same time, his representations of the Rebbe and the between world and um, spirit possession and uh, are quite beautiful and, uh, and sometimes accurate also. (laughs) So um, I was inspired by that.
1: How do the artists and authors you examine interpret or reinterpret gematria and numerology?
2: Yes. Uh, So mostly two of them do that. Um, Mario Satz and um, Isaac Goldenberg. Um, They do it very differently. Um, uh, Mario Satz more carefully if you want uh than goldenberg uh, and more often he uses gemate a lot in his he has a lot of um they're both actually that was another challenge of my book is that all of my authors are extremely prolific (laughs) so so i kept writing and they kept publishing and i was like okay at one point i actually did write to mario sats and said please stop i stopped reading your books a year ago and now i have 10 books waiting for me i mean like slow down but he didn't listen. Anyway, Gematria. Um. So, they use it in in some ways. Um. Well, the the, the short answer is they use it, they use Gematria creatively, and they use Gematria uh to create meaning, to create uh to to bring um their literature to a higher level if you want uh of spirituality um they i i I looked into how accurate specifically was and what i discovered is that he stops the permutation so he he permutates the numbers of the letters to the point where he gets to where he wants to go with his um piece uh so so that the interpretation the the, the numbers stop permutating when the when the number yields the value that uh helps the story advance i i hope that that answers the question
1: who is mario satz you just alluded to him where did he grow up what is his reputation?
2: Yeah. Yeah, the reputation uh aspect um is interesting because um for all of the authors that I study, um so Mario Satz uh grew up in Buenos Aires and uh has lived and taught and written in uh, in Barcelona is where he's uh, where he lives. Um and he's mostly known for his essays in Argentina, right? So when it comes to reputation, what's interesting about these authors is that they're they're known for different things in different places. So uh Khodorowski is the most interesting case because you know he's known in Mexico for his films. And Mexico and the U.S. for his films, he's known in France as his psycho magic guru that writes self-help books. He's not best known in in Spain for his autobiographical writings, which is what I study the most. Mario Satz is mostly known in in that as as far as I'm concerned. I mean, he, I'm sure he's known beyond what I know, but what I we know him in Latin America as a writer of uh novels and and uh essays on kabbalah uh but he's written in, in, he's m- much better known in spain uh for the rest of his writings he writes a lot about the environment he writes a lot about um um also eastern religions um it's quite erudite in in comparative religions um Yeah.
1: How do labyrinths appear in the works and pieces that you imagine? What is distinct distinct about Kabbalah's depiction of labyrinths vis a vis other cultural depictions of labyrinths?
2: So, labyrinths, the way I approach labyrinths in the book is through Borges. Um, You know, labyrinths, the the Library of Babel. it's, it's a, a, and in throughout the art of uh, Alejandro Schultz Solar um, and in the writing of Mario Satz, um, labyrinths uh, are a very central motif in Latin American literature. And it all goes, you know, not all, but uh, the first person we think of when we say the word labyrinth is Jorge Luis Borges.
0: Um,
2: I cannot answer for uh, the same way or, or with the same certainty in, in the field of Kabbalah, besides saying that it, that Kabbalistic interpretation is a labyrinthic method. <laughs> um, it describes the way um, interpretations take place in a text. Um, Who is
1: Angelina Muniz Huberman? Where does she live? Can you contextualize her for us? Can you describe her for us?
2: Yeah, I saw her yesterday via Zoom. <laughs> Angelina Monizu-Arman, even though we share a last name, uh, we're not related by family, uh, but uh, we uh, we are both uh, related through these themes. Um, she is an author. She's a Mexican author and scholar. She uh, as as i said before is uh was a professor of um, early modern spanish literature at uh at the unam at uh, la universidad autónoma de méxico uh, for many many years uh she's been uh, uh she, she's part of the mexican academy of letters now she's a very well established Mex- mexican author who is the daughter of Republic uh, of, of, of Spanish republicanos, which I dare not say that in, in English because it's a completely different concept. Um, they were um, immigrants from Spain who came to Mexico via Yeres in France, uh, the same town where Polcle passed away and I mentioned this because she writes about this little town in the south of France a lot and she writes about Poitclé a lot Um, she uh, is a very prolific writer of uh, literature Uh, most of her novels and a lot of her poetry as well uh, brings medieval Spain to life focuses on that Uh, A small portion, I I can't quantify it. If I had to give a number, I'd say 25% of uh, her literature relates to Judaism. She discovered she was Jewish uh, when she was uh, in elementary school. Um, So she comes from a line of crypto-Jews, and she went on to study and immerse herself in the study of Jew, uh, of Judaism and, and specifically Jewish studies and Kabbalah because she's an early modern uh, scholar, so uh, it makes sense. Um, and she's a wonderful person that I love.
1: <laughs> what is the relationship between surrealism and Kabbalah?
2: Yes. Uh, again, this will be better answered in my next book. Uh, I can tell you uh, because I I believe that thinking about surrealism and magical realism in relation to the literature I've been studying. Uh, well, I guess with um, Kolarovsky, the 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 connection is is uh, there. Um, well, surrealism again is an aesthetic movement. It's not a hermeneutic uh, approach to studying literature but uh there is uh there there is a drive to uncover what it's hidden if i had to give a short answer it would be there a drive to uncover what's hidden um uh in surrealism it has to do with um you know this subconscious and dreams um uh sources of inspiration uh, of uh you know understanding reality as it's intervened by what's beyond what we understand uh in Kabbalah there's this understanding that there's this that um when you're studying a text and you're reading through the lines and you're uh, you're looking at uh at the presence of God of the Divine and um Today I'm going to say that I my 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 gut feeling tells me, but I will need to prove this in my next project, that surrealism and magical realism are not looking to understand, uh, whereas Kabbalah is under trying to understand, even with the knowledge of the limitation that we can only understand so much, and that there's uh there's a realm there's the the, there's there's areas of the godly realm that we will not be able to reach but there's at least a desire to keep going to keep understanding and so while I see connections in that we're delving with things that are beyond what's real or reality uh, earthly the earthly realm as we call it <laughs> in this in this field um the, and and I also see areas of connection when it comes to for example um being you know in, in the themes of spirit possession or uh um moments of um of, of, of deep connection between, uh, uh, the, the sadic and, uh, and the divine. Um, I, I cannot put in words yet, um, uh, what they actually have in common, at least not more than what I just said, but I am going to be looking into this and I'm definitely very excited that there's a next, uh, chapter in, uh, in my research that allows me to stay connected to these materials. Um, Who is
1: Mirta Kupfermintz? Why is she significant? Can you tell us about her life and biography?
2: Mirta um, Kupfermintz is a contemporary Argentine artist that I'm hoping to see in Buenos Aires when I go, I'm leaving on Thursday and I'm very excited about my trip to Buenos Aires. And wow. I'm gonna bring her a copy of the book because the cover is uh, the cover of the book uh, features one of her uh, works. Um, she is a Jewish painter who is very active in Laksan, Uh and she uh, grew up, lives in Argentina. She is my one non-transnational uh, <laughs> artist and author. Well, I guess lot would be too um and she has this series of um paintings that she calls wanderings and that's the series that I study the most um in my book um that uh so there's all this um we're looking at the cover of the book has this person as a, the profile of a person in red and then there's these little figures walking all along um, uh, that profile and they're carrying ladders and some of them are carrying also jewish symbols like um talit or um uh, menorahs i believe there's one case uh, but also other costumes from other times and uh, these wandering figures um she uh talks about them in a if you look in youtube um she uh, Mirta confirming and Solos have a uh a, a, a collaboration on Borges and the Kabbalah and uh, i believe these pieces came from that uh yes i think they're part of that larger um traveling exhibit um and she talks about how these figures uh, appear in her dreams, how they haunted her, and um, I found them quite fascinating um, for all the relevances they have in terms of, you know, the the theme of the wandering Jew, which is not a Kabbalistic theme, but it's a Jewish theme. Um, she also has a, um, a, a painting that um, was one of your possible questions that had to do with uh, her brother. Um, I believe um, the one about the lodge ghetto, uh, her brother or her uncle. She's the daughter of Holocaust survivors. And so her art also pays homage to her ancestors.
1: How do the artists and authors you examine depict ghosts? How does the afterlife appear in the works that you present in this study?
2: Yes, the the theme of the ghosts, uh, both Mirta Kupferming and uh, Isaac Goldenberg share. Um, in the literature of Isaac Goldenberg, uh, the ghosts are very predominant, um, and so I when I, uh, that's what got me to study uh, the concept of the afterlife and the multiple multiple interpretations we have in today's. <laughs> <laughs> no question met a simple answer. That's for sure, and this was one of those. Um, it's quite, but I've always been interested in. I even found out that we actually have something close to the concept of a ghost uh, in, uh, in, at least in Hasidism. Right, the, the Huf Hadak. Um this the, the the image of the spirit of the of the person after. Uh, thats that some that is believed by Abu Lafia, you know or Luria, sorry uh, to, to to hover over the tombs. Uh, it's a it, it's it's a very complicated but also fascinating um, um, aspect of our tradition that I found the connections to to the poetry of um, Isaac Goldenberg. And then again, when I showed it to him, he was fascinated to learn that this was the case, right? And that's what's lucky about um, uh, being able to be in touch with your authors um, is that when he read this, this was not something that was intentional necessarily, but that I found all these connections about the way we understand uh, the spirit of the dead not so much ghosts, but the spirits of the dead, uh, in Jewish mysticism, and and, um, and the way um, these spirits haunt houses, <laughs> in so many of uh, Goldenberg's poems, and also in Mirtago paintings, uh, paintings.
1: Who is Paul Klee? Why is he notable?
2: Yeah, so Paul Klee uh, is not a Jewish painter. Uh, he was uh, I a mean, European um painter who is notable in my book because uh is so central in Angelina Muni writings. Um he um, his art um trying to think uh, such a big topic, um his art uh, is described in um in in her writing uh, and specifically um the his famous painting that is today in the Israel Museum uh, Angelus novels right that um which Benjamin Walter Benjamin uh, was the recipient of uh, the Walter Benjamin was a good friend of Paul Glenn, the first owner of this uh, Painting and the painting survived um, the Holocaust. Well, Benjamin did not, and the painting um, made it to Israel and is proudly shown there. Um, so, the I study Paul Klee not only in the representations of in in the way the painting the painter himself appears in Angelina Munizorman's writing, but also through his painting of the Angulus and the whole concept of angelology that is also so central to Jewish mysticism. Um, that was, uh, yes, that was one of my, probably one of my favorite things to study in the book.
1: What does your book teach us about film in Latin America?
2: Yeah. Um, so, the, you know, the film, <laughs> I have another book on Jewish uh, film in Latin America. You can read that one. You'll learn a lot more about film in Latin America in uh, the book I co-edited with Nora Glickman. Uh, So it's called Evolving Images. Um, But this one talks about film only in the Khodorkovsky chapter because film is such an important part of his work. Um, Film in Latin America is uh, thriving arts um and in my book i focus on films that are not necessarily representative of contemporary film but these are films from the 60s and so they're very experimental and they're very uh, shocking in nature they're looking to provoke a response uh, so, if you're interested in surrealist film of the 60s, uh, by all means, I recommend Alejandro Jodorowsky. Uh but I personally would not watch them for pleasure.
1: <laughs> what role has the Chabad-Lubavitch movement played in cultivating awareness of and interest in Kabbalah and Jewish mysticism? among Jews in Latin America. How is this presented in your book?
2: Kabbalah um, is present in the book in the term in terms of supporting my research um, and and teaching me that Kabbalah is alive and well today. I honestly did not know that Kabbalah was continued, uh, continuing to be uh, studied uh not obviously i knew people study kabbalah but i didn't know that there was contemporary kabbalistic scholarship is what i learned through Habad and the fact that it's part of it life it's part of everyday life i mean it's not um you know one example that i do give that do i do include in the book um is this uh, concept of bit that uh, this connection this deep spiritual connect connection with the um uh divine is not something that just mystics uh, were able to achieve but that it's also part of everyday life uh on uh, this is something that chabad um lubavitch um, members of the of the movement and uh experience on their daily life um this need to connect this 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 feeling of connection with god or at least this desire to connect with god on a daily basis on on the most mundane of activities um and this is something that they do teach um in their um outreach uh, uh to those of us seculars
1: what reputation do the artists and writers that you examine have in Latin America? What reputations do they have outside of Latin America?
2: Yeah, um, I think that Khodorovsky, well, they're they're all very well known in Latin America. Um, And uh, because they publish in Spanish, but uh, many of them have been translated. The fragmented life of Don Gakot Lerner has been translated to many many languages, um, but also Korobsky is trans you know translated to French and English. Uh, I, I have um, some of his translations here. Uh, The same with Angelina Muni-Superman, which is um, many of the novels have been translated, and they're read uh, in the U.S. um, and in uh, Europe, but uh, I'm not sure whether known in Israel, for example, that's something that I would love uh, for this book to bring to Israel, uh, an interest because, you know, there's such a strong Latin American Jewish presence in Israel that why not uh, now about the literature and the art that we produce, yeah?
1: As we bring our dialogue today to a close, can you tell us about your current research? What are you working on now?
2: Yes, um, so as I mentioned before, I my next stage has to do with finding um, points of connection or you know, dissecting in the literature of some of the authors I study in this book and other ones as well. uh, Jewish Latin American authors uh, or Latin American authors that write about Judaism, which is actually uh, what better identifies this group of of authors and artists. Um, uh, So I'm looking at the connections uh, between uh, Jewish mysticism uh, or at least Jewish mysticism and magical realism, and so uh, that threw me into the direction of delve deeper into magical realism itself because I had uh, I have always read magical realism authors of the boom for pleasure I've never uh, actually written about them Uh, I'm actually. Choosing to create two courses about uh, the authors of the boom at two different levels um, in our upper level courses at Haverford. And the reason why I'm doing this is because I feel the same need to understand this aesthetic movement in depth, um, alongside with um the Kabbalistic themes that will show up in new uh writings that I'll be discussing as I come along. So I want to give magical realism uh the same level of uh uh if you want um care and um uh, and, and discipline then I'm giving my studies of um uh, Kabbalistic themes. Um and I don't expect that I will necessarily have clear answers as per how certain character development, themes, uh, events that take place in these um, narratives or uh, poetic depictions um, fall into one camp or the other. I'm expecting that I will find some overlap, but in any case, I will share with my readers what I find. <laughs> and I'll Amazing. Do it with pleasure. <laughs> yes.
1: Amazing. It sounds like tremendous research and a very terrific topic.
2: Thank you so much.
1: As we bring our conversation today to a close, I am your host on the New Books in Jewish Studies podcast, Ari Barbalat. Today I have been in dialogue with Dr. Ariana Huberman. She is Associate Professor of Spanish at Haverford College. She also coordinates the Latin American Studies Program and Concentration. We have been discussing her new book, Keeping the Mystery Alive, Jewish Mysticism in Latin American Cultural Production, published in Boston by Academic Studies Press 2022. Thank you.